Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. try to preach as fast as I can. We will be out of here in 25 minutes. You believe me? (laughs) At least you're honest. Verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is speaking of the ascension of Jesus. So he's been alive for 40 days, uh, just been raised from the dead. So he's been on the earth now for 40 days and 40 nights. Acts tells us with many infallible proofs, and he's about to go to the right hand of the Father. In verse 50, he led them out as far as Bethany. That's important. We're going to really spend a lot of time on um, that city. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them at Bethany. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing And praising God. Amen. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would encourage us, speak to us. We thank you uh, for the trustworthiness of Scripture. We thank you that every word was breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. That the men who wrote this, the women, the authors, those who uh, wrote this book, Father, they wrote under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So in this day, in this hour, whatever we're facing, we could know, we could turn to your word in our time of need, in our time of uh, need of direction, in our need of healing, in our need, whatever it might be, we can turn to your word. And Father, your word has a way of speaking to us still to this day. It's relevant to this day in our situations. And Father, so speak to us today, we ask you, and we all said, amen. I want to talk to you about the place of relationship, the place of relationship. Now, Sarah and I have uh, been married now for 22 years, but I could take you back to so many different places in our relationship. I could take you back to the very first place I saw her. I could take you to the place that we met for the first time. I could take you to where we went on our first date. I could take you to the mall parking lot where she leaned over and kissed me for the very first time and forced herself upon me. (laughs) Took advantage of a young, innocent 19-year-old boy. I could take you to uh, the place that I asked her to marry me. I could take you to the place that we got married, where we went on our honeymoon. I could take you to the place where our children were born, our first house. On and on, I could take you to those places. But I could also take you to places where there were disconnects in our relationship, disappointments, frustrations, hostility. Fights that we had, things that we said that we wish we wouldn't have, things that we did that we wish we wouldn't have done. So in a relationship, there are places. So it is with God that in your relationship with him, there are places. And just like any human relationship, there are the bright spots, there are the the moments that are glorious in your memory. And then there are the moments that there's a disconnect. Maybe there's frustration, maybe there's disappointment, maybe, maybe even with God, God, how could you have ever allowed something like that to occur in my life. And so I want to talk to you 
about that. Because just like with Sarah or just like with the opposite sex, we know that we're different species. There's the book, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And it's the whole idea that we're from different planets. We know that God is also many times just very different than we are. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so sometimes we struggle to relate to him. We struggle, what is he wanting from me? How do, I, how do I build a relationship with God? And because he's not like us, we have moments that we don't understand. And instead of the relationship growing, we give up or we quit or we disconnect or we back off. And it really does hurt our relationship with him or it, it, it cripples it to a certain extent. So I want to hopefully help you in some of those places of your relationship with God. Well, it talks to us about Bethany. We know Bethany is a critical city, and I'll go quickly through this, is a critical city in the life of Jesus. The Bible says it was his custom to visit there. Now, this is the place that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. This is the place that Martha or Mary would break open the expensive box of perfume, the alabaster box of perfume. This is the place that Jesus would spend many nights with Simon the leper, with Lazarus, his cousin, with Mary and Martha. This is the place that Jesus would announce, I am the resurrection and I am the life. So this is a very important place in the life of Jesus. This is really the place where Jesus would pull away from the pressures and the demands of life and he would be refreshed. So Bethany is a place of relationship. So imagine you're Jesus, you're thinking through, you've just been raised from the dead, 40 days has gone by, you're about to ascend to the right hand of the Father and you want to pick the place, the geographical spot where you're going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. So this is the last place on the planet that Jesus in his physical body, his feet will touch dirt. And so he picks this place called Bethany. He could have picked Calvary, where he died on a cross, where he was just crucified. It was a very public place, a powerful place. He could have chose the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Of course, this is a private place, but he had just been raised from the dead. But he chose not a public place, not a private place. He chose a relational place. And the reason for that, I think, is because he was sending a message to you and I that he wants us to see him And understand the places of relationship. That he's not just a God that wanted to come and conquer death. He didn't want to just come and defeat sin. Even though those things happened. He was coming to also establish the importance of relationship with you and I. So a few things in this text that I want you to see. First, he led them to Bethany. But he told them to go all the way to Jerusalem. So Bethany is two miles from Jerusalem. So if you're taking notes, this is what you'll see in your relationship with God. One of the places you have to get past. He wanted them to go all the way, but he didn't want to go all the way with them. So in serving God, this is where people get confused. This is a disconnect. This is a place people kind of pull back on God because they really think God's going to do it all for them. He's going to make it obvious. He's going to make it clear. There's never going to be any unknowns or any confusion. Angels are going to show up and tell them exactly what to do. There's going to be an audible voice from heaven. They're never going to wonder whether or not God wants something or not. 
But in serving God, part of your relationship will be to keep going even when you don't understand everything that he's asking you to do. But he says, go, so you go. He says, do this, so you do it. He says, speak, so you speak. He says, move, so you move. You don't always have the full picture. But if you stop when you're confused or fuzzy or cloudy, you miss out on some of the most wonderful places in your relationship with God. I, at most, Anytime I feel like God wants me to do something, I maybe get to 60% best case scenario. Usually if I can get past 50% to about 51%, I can just feel the scale tipping that I've learned to lean into it. That's my arrangement with the Lord, I guess you would say. But I've never been 100% sure. Let's talk about it. I don't understand prayer. Makes no sense to me. You're like, you're a pastor. You should understand prayer. Okay, so I'm supposed to go into a private place. Talk to myself, God. And he hears me. And somehow when I talk like that, that moves the heart of God. Think about it real quick. Have you ever prayed? You're there talking to yourself and it feels a little unusual. Like, do you fully understand what's going on? Do you fully comprehend it? Do you fully get how the God of all of the universe leans down and listens to you? I don't fully understand it. But if I had to fully understand prayer before I did it, I would miss out on the wonderful power that if I call unto him, he answers me. This last week, we had Heart the City projects. 1,000, 1,100 people, Jake said, served all over the community. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm gonna be honest. It makes no sense that you can go pull a weed and somehow that makes an impact for the kingdom of God. I don't get it. Makes no sense. How does God care about the weed or trimming the tree? But what I do understand is there's something spiritual about serving that a lot of people never encounter. And what's spiritual about serving is Jesus said that serving is how you actually discover greatness. You don't discover greatness by being served. You actually don't really truly get greatness until you learn to serve. And serving is this. Serving is use me Whatever it takes, I don't have to get it. I don't have to understand. So how do you know when you're truly serving? When you feel like you're being used, when you feel like you're being taken advantage of, when you feel like, like it's not worth it, when you feel like maybe you're even dumb. Why am I pulling this weed? I got so many other things I could be doing. But somehow in that, you're discovering greatness. I don't fully understand it. But what I do understand is some people never really discover the power of what it looks like to encounter God through servanthood because they don't fully understand. So they stop and they don't go the rest of the way. Most of the things of God, he'll take you so far, then you have to go the rest of the way, even though you don't understand. We gather together and we sing songs. A lot of people think that we're just singing, that it's a band and it's a light show and we're here just having a mini concert. But the truth of the matter is, that's not what's happening. What's happening is we're singing worship and praise to God. And when you worship and you praise God, you're declaring his promises, you're declaring his word, you're declaring his attributes, his characteristic over your life, you're declaring truth over your life. And the most powerful thing about praise and worship that we know is God inhabits the praises of his people, that you create a throne for God to come and sit down in your midst. You create a chair, a big old recliner for God to come and sit down in your midst when you worship God. The Bible says when you worship and you praise God, that it dispatches angels, that praise is a weapon that God has given you, that it pushes back the darkness and it attracts heaven into your life. But a lot of people just think, well, it's just a song. I'm not really that kind of a person. I don't clap. I don't 
sing. I don't shout. It's not my personality. Then you and I go to a Bengals game and you're screaming and you're losing your mind. And I, I thought that wasn't your personality. But in one setting, you get it. In the other setting, you don't get it. But because you say that's not me, you don't understand it, you pull back, then you never experience the true power and really the blessing that comes on the other side of your praise and your worship. We could talk about this with all spiritual blessings. When it comes to giving, that God wants to give to you because he knows he can get it through you, but that if God can't trust you, he will withhold what he wants to get through you. But if you'll trust God that he'll open up the windows of heaven, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm a pastor and it sounds like a man-made mechanism to get you to do something or give or pay a light bill, but I already know that that's not what it has to do with because I've encountered what it looks like to trust God and see the spiritual side of giving. But there's so many Christians, they love the Lord, they have a relationship with God, but they never take that step. Why? They don't understand and they'll only do what they fully understand. If that's how you are, can I just help you? You will miss out on some of the most wonderful beautiful places of relationship in God. You have to be willing to say, I don't understand, but God, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't understand worship, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't understand serving, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to trust that somehow, someway, you're going to meet me on the other side of it. The text that we just read, think about it. 500 people are standing there. Jesus is blessing them. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. They don't understand what's going on. And he tells them, you can't stop here. I need you to go to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, I want you to tarry. I want you to wait. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to come up with excuses. I want you to go there. And I'm going to send the promise of the Father. They don't know what the promise of the Father is. They've never heard of the promise of the Father. They have no clue what he's talking about. All he's done is say, I need you to go and I need you to tarry. And this is what's going to happen. Even though they don't understand it, 120 of them decide to take the steps. 380 of them say, we don't understand. And those 380 missed out on the most powerful moment in church history. But the 120 that were willing to keep taking the steps, even though they didn't understand, were the ones that were there in the upper room as that sound came from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Spirit set down on each one of them as of divided tongues of fire. And God was no longer just with us, but he came to live on the inside of us. And only 120 were able to push past those moments where God will take you so far, but then you have to go the rest of the way. Number two, Bethany means the house of affliction or the house of depression. So if you are going to have a relationship with God, you have to accept it's not always going to be happy, clappy, bless me, warm fuzzies. I've met so many people that get messed up with God because they think, If God really cared, he would never let me go through this depression. He would never let me go through this misery. He would never let me go through this affliction. Yet it's the last place he took his disciples was to the place of depression. This teaches me that if I'm in a tough place, if I'm in a depressed place, if I'm in a place where I've been following after the heart of God with everything that I am and I've done everything that I know to do, but I still find myself disappointed, I still find myself where things went one way and I thought they should have gone the other. Things still turned sour. The marriage still fell apart. The kids still aren't serving God. The business still failed. 
The person didn't get healed. The loved one didn't recover. For some reason or another, I'm in the places where I'm wondering, God, why? What's up with this? How could you allow this to happen? And that's a place of relationship. It's a place that a lot of people don't understand and they pull back and they disconnect with God. But that's where he took them. He took them to Bethany. That's the place he took them. And the most amazing thing about Bethany was the Bible says he lifted up his hands and he blessed them there. So notice the last place you see Jesus is in the place of depression. But the last act you see in Jesus is the act of blessing. So no matter how low I go, no matter how bad life gets, no matter how awful I feel, I can learn it's in those places that Jesus still blesses. It's in those places Jesus still wants me to extract some level of blessing out of it. But I have to go into those places and look around for the blessing of God. Number three, and we'll wrap up. It's okay to ask for the blessing of God. In your life. It's okay to say, God, I need your blessing. Now, blessing means the Hebrew word barak, it means to lift, to raise up. My favorite phrase is it means to boost. It means to boost. So sometimes you don't get the full miracle, but you still can ask God for a boost. The difference between a child of God going through places of disappointment and depression and misery. Is, is really not the difference in the situation itself because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. You're probably not going to be exempt from the things everybody else goes through in, in the specifics. However, what you can do when you go through it is you can trust that God will give you the boost that you need. You can trust that when you go through it that it's not gonna ultimately have the strongest final say, but God can give you that boost that you need as you go through it. And sometimes I'm going through things and all I need to do is say, I don't completely understand this, but what I do understand is I can call and I can ask God and say, God, I need a boost. It's okay to ask for the blessing of God on your life. You know, Christians, many times, they feel like it's unspiritual to ask God to bless them. Many people even think it's wrong to ask God for his blessing because it's just all about Jesus. It's not about me, it's all about him. But it's okay to ask God for his blessing. It's okay, it's okay. And I'm gonna show you in the scripture. Let's turn to 1 Chronicles chapter four and verse 10. And I wanna show you how it's okay to ask for the blessing of God. Now it's talking to us about Jabez. Now Jabez names means grief or pain. And he got his name from his mother. Now she didn't give him this name when he was born. In Hebrew culture, they would have waited a couple years to study the personality and the characteristics of the child. So by the time he received his name, they were defining who they believed he was based on everything that they had experienced. So his whole life, he was called, based on what his parents thought about him, he was, he was called, you are a pain. You're, you bring sorrow, which is where we get the word sorry from. So his whole life, Jabez would have grown up thinking he was a mistake. He was nothing but a pain. He was sorry. His whole life, that's all he would have heard. Now, what we know about Jabez is that up until Jabez, thousands of people blessed God. Thousands of people honored God. Thousands of people would lift God up. But this is the first time in all the Bible somebody thought about flipping it. Instead of asking of themselves to bless God, they actually asked God 
to bless them. This is the first place in all of the Bible someone turned it and said, God, would you bless me? Now, I want you to think about this because if Jabez were to be here today in this room and you could say, Jabez, how did you end up in the word of God? How did you find your way in to this famous book, into scripture? You never killed a giant. You never healed a disease. There was no miracles that followed you. You never conquered a fortified city. Jabez, how did you find your way in to scripture? And all he could tell us was that he had the courage and really the audacity to look at God in spite of what everything in life had told him and still say, God, in spite of what they think, would you, not them, would you bless me? And notice what the Bible says he asks for the, ble- he asks for the blessing of God to be on. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, which indeed means not an average, ordinary blessing. It's a superlative that means to the highest quality and to the highest degree. So he's not asking for something little. He's saying, God, I want you to bless me in the highest possible way. I want you to enlarge my territory. Now it's getting specific. I want your hand to be upon me. The word hand there is the Hebrew word yod. That doesn't mean closed-fisted. It means an open hand. What's he saying? He's saying, God, I want to see you as a God that has an open hand towards me. Not as a God that tries to withhold from me, but as a God that is good and wants to give to me. Now look what happens next, that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. Now look, this is the most important phrase, I think of the whole thing. So God, let's read it together. So God granted him what he requested. So God didn't say, you sorry dog. You unspiritual, how dare you ask for that? It's not what God did. So this is what we have. You and I have full biblical authority. What this is, is you can pray this prayer and you can say, because the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. You can say, God, if you did it for Jabez, can you do it for Marcus? You did it for Jabez, can you do it for Mark? Can you do it for Ryan? Come on, you did it for them. Can you do it for me? You have full biblical authority to pray for God to bless your life. And most people get to this place in their relationship with God and they pull back. They feel like it's wrong to ask for the blessing of God. But I just want to encourage you that when you pray God's word, this, you could pray it word for word, word for word, add nothing to it, word for word. And you know what you're, you're praying when you do that? You're praying God's word. When you pray God's word, you pray his will which is the perfect prayer. This isn't even not my will, but yours be done. This is his will. This is his will. When you pray it, it is his will. Bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. What area do you need him to give you a boost? What area? Oh, well, that's not really a super spiritual area. That's not really spiritual. Can I really ask God for a boost? Look what he says, enlarge my territory. That's not a spiritual statement. Enlarge my territory. It literally means take me from coast to coast. Let let me see no limits. In a world where the limits were all set from this river and this stream to that stream, what he said is take me coast to coast. Help me not see any of the natural barriers other people see. You know what he was saying? Give me influence. Help me have influence in life. And then keep me, let your hand be with me. Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And God granted him what 
he requested. God granted him. So in your places of relationship with God, you're going to have high points. You have points you don't understand. And this is a point that a lot of people don't understand. And they pull back. But can I encourage you? I think you should pray this prayer every day, just for one week. Just this week. Memorize it right now. Let's say it together. First Chronicles 4, 10. You can just Google Jabez. It'll pop up. And I want you to just say, God, would you give me greater provision? Would you give me greater influence? Would you give me greater power? That's his hand, it's his power. Would you give me greater protection in my life? You can pray that over your life. You can say, God, give me greater protection. Give me greater influence. Give me a greater blessing. You can ask for that and you are in complete line with scripture. Doesn't it feel a little weird? It almost feels a little off. Like, no, it's supposed to just be about him. It is about him. But it's also about understanding who he is. He's a good God. He loves to give good gifts to his children. And it's not weird to expect when you understand God is a good father. And every father in this room understands the desire to give good gifts to their children. Come on. And the Bible says, well, how much greater is our God? Because if us being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our father in heaven know how to give good gifts to us? This is not happy, clappy stuff. This is saying I can trust in the nature and the character of God, and that is he is good. He is good. So why don't we do this together? I want us to read this verse over our life. Can we do it? So let's stand up on our feet. I want you to put your name in the place of Jabez. On the count of three, let's do it together. So I'm going to say, and Marcus. One, two, three. And Marcus called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted them seven hills what they requested. Come on. Can we just trust? Father, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for the boost that people need in their lives, in their homes, in their marriages, in their dream. Father, in areas spiritually where addiction has got a hold of them, where unforgiveness has gotten a hold of them, where depression or discouragement has gotten a hold of them, where the enemy has found a crack in their life and somehow the door has been opened, I pray, Father, that you would give them a boost even now. Father, that right now they would feel you're lifting them. They would feel like your sense by faith that you're raising them, that they would know that you are for them and that, Father, they may have to go ahead and by trust and faith go a little bit further than what they've ever understood before. But, Father, they, in those places of not understanding, are the places that you want to lift up your hands, those wonderful, scarred hands. You want to lift them up and you want to bless and boost your people. And we thank you that in relationship we understand you are a good God and you desire to give good gifts to your children. So we open our hearts and we receive your goodness, not because we deserve it, but God, we receive your goodness because of the wonderful, unmerited favor and grace of God that is extended to your people on behalf of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. And so Father, today we don't turn our back on the beautiful work of Calvary. We turn towards the cross and we acknowledge that we are deficient, but you are more than enough. 
and that you paid the price in full and we can walk out of here knowing that we have a boost because of your favor, your love, and your grace in Jesus' name. Let no person in here walk out of this place without knowing and sensing that you're giving them a boost in Jesus' name, a boost to be all that you've called them to be And we all said a big amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand clap if you believe that.